Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked the sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Now, there was a period in my life when a number of years going my own way and even questioning, you know, what exactly is it that you're doing? Why are you doing the things you're doing? I found myself doing the things I knew I should not and, and not doing the things I knew I should. And very quickly, I started to experience the outworkings of those poor choices as they became manifest in my life. I had some really loving and caring people around me at that time, and they would speak over me, Travis, this is not good, this is not healthy, you need to sort this stuff out. Uh, and yet I stubbornly persisted in my pattern of behavior. But those poor choices and the harm of them kept getting stronger and stronger, coupled with this growing conviction that it really was time to do something about it. And so I booked an appointment with the dentist. (laughs) And I tell you, when I sat in that chair the first time that implement went in my mouth, I immediately regretted every poor decision from the intervening years, the embarrassing amount of years, since the last time I'd seen a dentist. And they do that dental hygienist thing. And I'm not entirely sure what the continuum is between health practitioner and medieval torturer, but this lady was borderline, you know what I mean? So this is going on, and I'm lying there, and I feel like I'm supposed to be brave and manly about this, but I literally had tears rolling down the sides of my eyes. Has anyone else experienced this? Oh, yes, you have. I'm going to traumatize some people this morning. While I'm sitting there, these tears just rolling down the side of my face, I hear the kind of lead dental hygienist speak to her junior assistant. Oh, I can see that you're quite confronted by the amount of blood in his mouth. I'm like, the amount of blood in my mouth? What are you doing in there? And so even though it's a wonderfully air-conditioned room, I break out in a head-to-toe sweat. This goes on, and I'm like, I don't think I can stand much more of this. I'm genuinely going to have to tap out. And then came the words that everybody who's ever seen a dentist loves to hear. We're done. It is finished. 
Oh, the sweet relief. And I wanted to start by sharing that traumatic story because it is Easter and many of you are going to eat a lot of chocolate over the weekend. (laughs) Take care of your teeth. I share that story because all of us understand what it is to be able to say it is finished at the end of a painful ordeal. Uh, Likewise, we know the freedom and the release that comes from being able to say it is finished to a conflict. Maybe that neighbour that you just could never get on with finally moves, or maybe you move. Maybe that boss who is a bit of a bully gets fired. Whatever it is, we know what it is. Maybe you've paid that last payment on your mortgage or your hex debt on that credit card, and you're able to say, it is finished, my debt is paid in full. Or maybe you know what it is to work really hard towards something, pouring blood, sweat and tears, energy and effort, maybe a PhD, maybe you run a marathon and as you cross the finish line, that sense of accomplishment, that sense of victory as you're able to proclaim, it is finished. And those experiences and those emotions are helpful for us today as we try to make sense of of Jesus' words on the cross with his very last breaths proclaiming, declaring, it is finished. So I didn't introduce myself. I'm Travis, one of the pastors here at Parramatta Baptist Church, and it is genuinely lovely to have you worshipping with us this morning, whether this is something you always do uh, on Sundays and Good Fridays, or whether this is your first time uh, experiencing what it looks like to be in a church in 2019. But as uh, I was praying into today and just trying to get a sense of what God would have for us this morning. I had a really strong sense. I just wanted to encourage us all that we shouldn't underestimate the significance of being here this morning. Don't underestimate the significance of you being here this morning. You see, we are a believing and a praying church, and you can ask us what some of those names on the wall over there mean at the end of the service if you want. But our experience is that God is real, that he is here, that he is present, that he loves you more perfectly and wonderfully and eternally than you could ever possibly dare to dream or imagine, and that his heart for you is to encounter you with that love, a love that changes everything, a love that has transformed our lives. And I can say that with confidence because of what happened on Good Friday and the events surrounding Easter. And that second reading that Kathy read for us comes from the Gospel of John, and it comes from the Gospel of John chapter 19. So if you do the math, that means there's been a lot of chapters that have gone on before this. And if you're familiar with the story of Jesus, surely you would have to at the very least agree with me in saying that he is one of the most remarkable men that have ever walked the planet Earth. The picture we read from these eyewitness accounts of his life and his message is that he is God himself come in the flesh to show us the way back to being in right relationship with God. And he speaks of what it means to be in right relationship with God. He speaks of what it means to be in right relationship with each other. He speaks about what it is to experience him and live in his presence in a way that's pleasing. And he uses language like the kingdom to talk about this. And he backs it up by healing the sick, restoring sight to the blind, amazing things. Uh, And in chapter 19, we find him crucified, a barbaric and a deliberately humiliating way of killing someone. And we read in verse 28, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Knowing that everything had now been fulfilled. This doesn't sound like 
he's defeated. This doesn't sound like this is not his plan A. This speaks to something bigger. Oswald would describe it in this way. The death of Jesus is the fulfilment in history of the very mind and intent of God to save. There is no place for seeing Jesus Christ as a martyr. His death was not something that happened to him, something that might have been prevented. His death was the very reason he came. These words, it is finished, speaks of a purpose fulfilled, a mission accomplished, a great plan come to fruition. Something deeply significant is taking place on the cross and something profoundly meaningful is meant by the words that Jesus utters there. And you don't need to search too hard in Scripture to find out what that is. John the Baptist, who prepares the way for Jesus, identifies him as the Lamb of God, this great Old Testament image who will take away the sin of the world. Jesus, in his own words, will say for the Son of Man his favourite phrase to describe himself came to seek and to save that which was lost, those who were removed from that wonderful, intimate relationship with their creator God of love. In Mark 10, for even the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking again, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The New Testament continues to celebrate the life and the death of Jesus. 1 Timothy 1, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And 1 John 3, 5, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And if you're unfamiliar with the concept, sin is just the Bible's shorthand way of describing anything and everything that departs or distorts or diminishes God's good and perfect and pleasing plan for us in relationship with him, for us in relationship with each other, for us as we express and we experience the life that he has given to us. And we feel it. You don't need to be a great theologian. You don't need to be a studied psychologist to feel it. Know that in the same time that as a race, we have this incredible capacity to work together and be generous and courageous and creative. Our world is riddled with all manner of hurt and injustice, anger, things that we would describe as, that's just not good. It's not the way that things are supposed to be. And even as we turn the mirror into ourselves. We see our great attributes sit alongside doing those things we know we don't really want to do and not doing the things we know that we're called to, and we feel it. Anything and everything that departs, distorts, or diminishes God's good and perfect plan for us. And the tragic outworkings of that is that it becomes manifest in our life, breaking down our relationship with God, breaking down and spilling over into our relationships with each other, even flavouring and affecting the way that we experience life. And many of us, just like with me and my teeth, we put up with that for years and years when it does not have to be that way. Unlike the dentist, who I maintain took a perverse delight in visiting upon me the painful consequences of my choices and then charging me for the experience, right? the cross is about Jesus lovingly and deliberately taking upon himself all of our muck, mess and mistakes and bearing in full the cumulative weight of the consequences once and for all time. Or as 1 Peter 2 will say, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. It is by his wounds that we have been healed. 
I wonder if you've ever had that experience where someone's spoken some words to you or over you that were so powerful, that were so meaningful, that they actually changed and shifted something in your life. It's a little bit of a, a personal one, but I couldn't think of a, a better illustration. Back when I was about, about 16, I was going through a, a bit of a rough time, just, just in and of myself as a teenager, trying to find my way and found it really difficult at, at home. And, and there'd been this increasing conflict and this increasing tension within our household, within our family. And to be fair, I owned that. That was, that was on me. Conflict with my sister and my brother, conflict with my mum and dad. I didn't know really what to do or how to be uh, in that household and in that place. I was struggling and, and it was definitely finding experience in the family home. And it got so intense and it got so, so bad that, that my parents, who, who are incredibly loving and gracious, were prepared to actually look at, well, do, do you want to go to boarding school? We'll find the extra money. We will make a way. If, if this is not a, a healthy place for you to be, if you actually need to be somewhere else in, in order to, to, to work this stuff through, they're like, we'll, we'll do it. And, and so we followed this train of thought. There was nothing close in their budget. So we were looking at a boarding school that was about two hours away, away from home. Uh, and I knew that my parents loved me. I knew that they were for me. And I knew that partly what we were experiencing was, was on me. It was on me closing down and not opening up and, uh, and, and just that, that funny expression. And yet as we went to the boarding school and as we started heading down this path, you kind of can't help but feel, even as a 16-year-old as a guy, you're like, do, do I not belong here? Is there something wrong? Do they not want me here to be with them? And I remember it was getting to the sort of pointy end of this decision-making process. We actually needed to make a call. We'd visited, we'd met with the headmaster. The end of the year was coming up, so, so it was time to, to make a call, to step into year 11 and year 12. I remember mum and dad sitting down with me. If this is what you want, we're going to make this work. You seem unhappy and we want very much for you to be happy. And then they said this, and this is the thing that just absolutely blew me away. They said, but we want you here. And it was like in some part of this kind of cold and, and hardened and, and darkened heart that someone flicked a light, that someone grabbed a megaphone and just declared in me and over me, you belong here. You are loved here. You are accepted here. It's the power of words. It's the power of declaration. And Jesus says these words, it is finished. And in the original language, it is literally just one word, to telestai. A servant would use this word when reporting back to their masters to say, the task that you gave me to complete, it is finished. Historians have been finding this word on papyrus scraps, commercial receipts and invoices stamped across the top in shorthand. Uh, it means that this debt, this invoice, it is being paid in full. No one's going to ever come chasing you up after this or again. It is done. To Tetelestai is a word that means it is finished. It is already finished and it will always be finished. And I think today on Good Friday, some of you need to hear that spoken over you, like some part in your heart, someone grabbing a megaphone and declaring over you that this word means that God loves you, that God wants to welcome you home, that you belong here with him. The cross declares once for all time that anything and everything that stands in the way of us experiencing life and relationship with him it's finished. It's been taken care of. Jesus has paid in full anything and everything that could get in the way of us experiencing relationship 
with him. Does this make sense? It is finished declares that forgiveness is possible, that a fresh start is possible, that your inclusion in the plans and the purposes of God is possible, that any doubts that you might have about whether or not God likes you, loves you, wants to be with you, it's answered, okay? And some of us need to hear that maybe for the first time this morning. doesn't matter how far you've wandered from God. It is finished, declares there is a way back. For many of us, we celebrate this word, don't we? And we celebrate what it means for us. We celebrate the new life that we now get to experience with God in all the blessings and all the privileges that flow on from that. And yet if you're like me, there sometimes can be this lingering shadow of doubt, this kind of thing around your foot you just can't shake. You know it is finished, that you're saved, and that eternity is your privilege and destination. And yet you can't help but live with a sense of guilt, a sense of shame, a sense of I'm not really sure quite where I stand with God. Does that ring true for anybody here? No? You've taken care of the theology parts of our faith really well? Props to you. Well, I'm still learning. And for me, it's the shame thing. It's just this shame is like this shadow that I can't shake sometimes. Like I know it is finished, and yet walking in the fullness of that can be really tricky sometimes. It's like this weighted blanket that's always over you and you, you know that Jesus has actually taken it upon himself and paid for it once and for all, but you feel the of it. And so I love the image of it is finished. If you are a creative and you're a painter or a sculptor and you've worked for years and years to master your trade and you get the best resources and the best equipment that you possibly can and you bring to life this vision that has been on your heart to bring and then at some point you finish with the paint or you finish with the chisel or you finish with the the composition and you stand back from the work and you look at it and you go, it is finished, it's completed. There's nothing more for me to add. There's nothing more for me to change. That is what Jesus declares over us, that it is finished, that you cannot complete an already completed work. He has done it, done it all. We are free from guilt. We are free from shame. We are free to enjoy him and enjoy him forever. Because of Jesus, it is now finished, and I will walk in the fullness of of what it is finished means for me and my life and my experience of God. Take this moment to actually lay before the Lord what is it that he is calling you to lay at the foot of the cross and to receive it is finished spoken over it. Maybe it's a long time rebellion. Maybe it's a hardened heart against him. Maybe it's an addiction you don't actually believe it is finished can break. Maybe like me it's a feeling of guilt or shame that you just can't shake even though you've repented and you've trusted Jesus for salvation. Whatever it is, and I invite you, lay it at the foot of the cross and receive his mercy and his grace, the declaration that continues to ring out through all the world of the Saviour declaring, it is finished. Ephesians 1 verse 7 declares over us, 
that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. I'm just going to pray and I'm going to entrust whatever it is that God has spoken to you would bear eternal fruit in your life from this day forward. Jesus, we want to thank you for the cross. Not that our redemption needed it, we don't thank you for that. But Lord, we thank you that in your loving kindness, you being rich in mercy, would make a way for us to be redeemed and restored, healed, set free, welcomed home. And that this would be the gift, grace, unmerited favour. Jesus, I just want to entrust everything that people have laid at the foot of the cross today. May they hear spoken over them and it is finished. Jesus, we look to you as the one who has power to heal, power to forgive, power to set free, and is alive today for us to continue walking with you and learning what it is to walk in fellowship with the one who sets us free. For each of us, I pray that it is finished would not just be a one-time deal, but that we would learn to constantly live in your completed work, Jesus, and experience the blessing that means for us.